0: Welcome to the ministries of the Barholi Baptist Church, where we worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, fair before Him and all the earth. The pastor is Reverend Nelson. Be blessed by the sermon that you have all to hear. So, very much. I would like you to turn your Bibles with me to the Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter. And I want to read verses 13 through 21. Let's do a few verses there. Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, reading from... Verse 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divided the inheritance with me. And he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be, which thou hast provided? So it is, verse twenty-one. So is he that layeth up treasures for himself, and is not rich toward God. Mm. Now I want to focus on that last phrase is not rich toward God, because that should be our desire, to be rich toward God. Mm. There were sharp contrasts among the hearers of Jesus, and this is expressed in Different attitude from positive, indifferent, to dawning interest to either deep devotion or just downright hostility. From Luke chapter 11 and verse 14 to chapter 13 and verse 9 is a continuous discourse and during which there are several interruptions. One of them, verse 13, was the occasion for the parable illustrative of Christ's teaching against covetousness. And here we see the spirit of covetousness manifest itself. The Bible says, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Now we don't know the real uh, situation as it relates to this man's cause. Could have been possibly a just one. We don't know. For we know that according to Jewish law, as it relates to the dividing of the possession when the father passes on, that the eldest would have gotten a double portion. And the reason for him getting that double portion is that it was his responsibility, if his mother was yet alive, to take care of her and if he had unmarried sisters that he would be responsible for taking care of them until they are married so as a result the elder or the eldest would have gotten a double portion so we don't know about this man's claim but based on the response that Jesus gave, we can conclude that the spirit in which he made his request was the wrong spirit. Are you following me, somebody? This is an unusual expression of worldliness. Consider for a moment. Christ's teaching at this particular point. He was dealing with some very hard stuff. He was doing some real hard teaching. For the scribes and the Pharisees, they were trying to trick him, trying to trap him. And Jesus was pushing back. And the Bible said they tried to provoke him. So that they would get him to say something that he should not have said. They didn't really understand who they were dealing with. Because you can't get God to say anything that he shouldn't say. God knows all things. And so Jesus was pushing back. And one lawyer came to him. And the Bible says when the lawyer made his statement, Jesus rebuked him. He said, you guys shut up the kingdom of heaven against others, and you yourself, you're not going in. And this man, hearing Jesus now, rebuked the lawyer, realized that Jesus had a great level of authority. And he felt that this was his moment. He was prompt now to make his statement. To make his request. Here is God incarnate speaking. And all that this man saw was a good lawyer. Somebody who would be able to rule in his favor. So that he would be able to get material things. After Jesus was laboring. Talking about spiritual truth spiritual reality that everybody should be gravitating to to find out how they can lay hold on what Jesus was saying here is this man he was just stuck on possession may I inject here and say that even in the church there are times when the word of God has been preached And we preach under the anointing of God. There's a message from God that God wants the people to hear. But somebody's mind is stuck on the material. Somebody's there trying to figure out how they're going to do this and how they're going to gain this and how they're going to gain that. I love the, the song that when We are introduced to worship. So let's forget about ourselves. Concentrate on him. And worship him. Sometimes when we come to church, brother, sister. It is to get a relief of our burden. Am I talking to us? Our struggles. Our challenges. Our difficulties. That weigh us down all through the week. Amen. When we walk through the door of the house of God and we come in. That should be a time of liberation where our minds are, amen, taken from those things and we're focusing solely on the Lord. Just for that moment, just for that hour, that hour and a half, whatever it is that we spend in the presence of God, that we focus on Him. And leave our struggles. Let them stay where they are. So here is this man. Listening to God incarnate. The the God man speaking. Talking about life. Talking about the hereafter. And talking about the kingdom. And all that he focused on. Was the possession. That is to be divided. And Jesus asks, who, who make me a ruler? And he tells, as we look farther, that there was something wrong with this man's attitude because Jesus used his query to teach on covetousness. So we can conclude that his request was not a justified one. Because if it were, Jesus would not have segwayed into this subject of covetousness. But there was something wrong with this man, with this man's request. And so Jesus used his request to teach on this subject of covetousness, which I would like us to focus on for a little while. Because there's a whole lot of misunderstanding about what covetousness is. And I would like us to look at, amen, the example that Jesus gives us and see what it really is. Hmm. So Christ disapproved this man's request, he shunned him. Covetousness appeared in many forms, and the two basic is clutching what one has already gained Lord or craving for more. Either clutching what one has already obtained or craving for more. Both are considered covetousness. Let's go a little further and we'll make it clearer as we go along. Jesus says, take heed and beware of covetousness. It has a stealthy or seductive approach. It has a terrible end. And so as a result, it was condemned. Jesus is making it clear that worldly goods cannot keep the soul alive. For man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God doth man live, the scripture says. So worldly goods cannot keep the soul alive, not even if one have it in abundance. So in this case abundance and mere necessity are on the same level whether you have or you are just getting by you're on the same level as far as the soul is concerned for worldly goods cannot keep the soul alive Mm. so if life is primarily spiritual It is not what it has that counts, but what it is. I need to say that again. If life is primarily spiritual, it's not what it has that counts, but what it is. And so our duty, our responsibility is to seek to be. Not so much to have. Am I talking to us today? Somebody. Mm. How much is a person's worth? Is the question asked. But it should apply more to the person's character than the person's possession. How much is a person's worth? We, we, We need to understand that. Man is distinct from his possession. You cannot combine them. Man is separate. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Man is separate from his possession. Am I talking to us? God sees a man separate from his possession. Because the reality is... When, when a man's time comes to go, he goes without anything. He goes and he leaves everything. Yes, Cannot carry anything. So a man's life is separate from his possession. The two are not the same. A man can be illiterate and he buys volumes of books. Still does not make him literate. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Mm. I say to us today that there is hope for those who recognize this distinction. Let's look at the parable now because This man request that he made of Jesus, prompt Jesus to tell the story. The parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning in its simplistic form. So Jesus was then prompt to tell the story. Mm. There was a rich man. And this rich man in this parable was doubtless considered an enterprising individual, an influential citizen, the kind of person that everybody would want to have an audience with to get his idea, to get his thoughts. This man would have been somebody who would, would have been respected in society was a hard working man, a diligent worker, a, a, a smart man as far as worldly standards are concerned. Am I, am I talking to us? The Bible says that his, his, his gain, his field, his harvest, he had a very good harvest. Very good harvest. And he said to himself, man, this is a great harvest. This is a great harvest. I don't have the capacity. I don't have the space. I don't have the room to accommodate all of this yield. And it's, 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 it's really at times what rich folks do. Oh, Lord. They, they look at uh, the prospectus from different uh, companies and uh, based on the past uh, performance, they're able to uh, see where, you know, what direction it's taking, and they, 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 they want it. they're looking for a place to invest. Uh, they have in abundance, and all that they think about is their abundance. And so they would spend a lot of time reading the prospectus from different companies. But they have not, and one of the things that many, many rich folks have not done, they have not read the Lord's prospectus. Because there is one. And there is one that all of us need to familiarize ourselves with if we are going to be rich toward God. And it's found in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 17 and we can call this the Lord's prospectus hear what it says Proverbs 19 and verse 17 he that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord follow me here And that which he has given will he that is God pay him again. That's the Lord's prospectus. For those who have resources, for those who have God says when you give to the poor, you're actually lending to him. And whatever is loaned to him, he, God, will repay. Am I talking to somebody? Mm. For the Bible tells us that God is no man's debtor. That God pays what he owes. So he doesn't owe anybody anything. Am Am I talking to us? Romans 11.35 says, Who had first given to him that is God? And it shall not be recompensed to him again. Can you show me one that has given to the Lord and has not received back many fold? There is not one. So the Bible says, The one who gives to the poor Lends to the Lord And the Bible says, God will repay him, God will give it back for he is no man's debtor, and there is not one who was ever given to him that had not received return. Oh Lord mm. this man. As he thought on his yield, he didn't give any thought to the Lord's prospectus. He said, now that my barn are too small, I now don't have the capacity to store all my goods. What about the poor people? What about those in need? Why not give some to them? Are you following me somebody? I'm not thinking about the less fortunate. But brother, sister, that's the way of the world. That's the way of the world. Everybody wants to get ahead. And to be ahead. And to be ahead. And people don't think much about those who are in need. The need of the society. The need of the people. And how they are those who have the responsibility that they had toward those who are in need. You know, God, through the old covenant, established a principle. It was a farming community. Israel was a farming nation at the time. And God established it in such a way that once you have reaped, you're not supposed to go back and to reap again. Once you get the main crop. Am I talking to somebody? It's in the Bible. The remaining little portion was to be left for the poor, for the widow. And then they would come along and they would glean. So they they were called gleaners. They come in and they see what they can find to survive. That was the principle that God established in the old covenant. And I believe that even in today's society, those who have still have that responsibility to consider the least fortunate. Amen. To understand that they are God's creation just like you are. And life has dealt with them. In a manner that it has not dealt with you. And so you have a responsibility to extend yourself, ah Lord, to those who are in need. We want to talk, continue dealing with this subject of covetousness and being rich toward God. This man that Jesus used as example, he had worldly goods. And may I say that there was nothing wrong with this man's achievement. That he gained it properly. Uh, He gained it the right way. He worked for it. This was not a sinful gain. Sin came in after the gain. Oh Lord. And and, and that is where we need to be careful as Christians. Because sometimes we set out and in the process the Lord blessed us. And we did everything right. The way that God expected us to or the way he commanded us to. And as a result he blesses us. But sin come in because we have now become hoarders. And everything must stay with us. Lord help me. It is not a sin to have, but what the Bible is teaching us here that it is a sin to whore. Mm-hmm. Silence. It's a sin to whore. That's what the Bible is saying. It's a sin to whore. This man gained his wealth rightfully. But then sin came in after he got it. And we have to be careful because sin is always lurking around. And notice what he did. When his barn came in with its overflow, he did not consult with anybody. He consulted with himself. He did not He did not see his prosperity as a God's sin. He saw it as a windfall. And as a result, he had to now do something to secure this windfall. Not that it was a blessing from God, that God has now blessed him. And as a result of the blessing of God, he would have some responsibility. And this was his big mistake. This man took body for soul. Oh Lord Jesus. He took body for soul. And so he decided that he was going to just live up. He was going to become now even more self-centered. And so he was going to eat, he was going to drink, and he was going to be merry. Or he said, I have enough goods to serve me for years. And there was that sense of complacency and self-confidence. Because he had enough goods to serve him for years. He would not go hungry for years. He had more than enough. So he decided that he was going to build a new barn. He consulted with himself instead of consulted with God. And this is something that he decided to do alone. He wouldn't even even ask anybody anything. He, He talks about I... And all my it's I and all my whenever whenever we begin to use the first person pronoun we we are we are bringing the devil we are introducing or inviting the devil in when it's used exclusively we are giving way to the devil we are shutting God out when we begin to talk about I and myself, this man's mistake is that he took time for eternity. His anticipation was that he would live for many years. And so he had good store up, ready to store up for many years, because he planned to live long yes he planned to live long so he had enough stored up and he said, with this with this windfall that I now have I will have to expand my barns make them bigger and then he said to himself I'm going to be at ease I'm going to eat I'm going to drink. And I'm going to be merry. He never said if the Lord wills. He never said I will do this if the Lord wills. But he said I'm going to do it. Because it's my goods. And my harvest is a good harvest. And so I am going to do, God called him a fool, and this is the penalty really of covetousness. A fool is one who is actually devoid of mind, and so this man's judgment was much in question. He was cut off from life. He thought of years, but he could not reckon with one night. And it became clear that it is certain that we carry nothing out, as Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 7. This man was rich in time but is now poor throughout eternity. He was rich in time, had great wealth, but throughout eternity he is poor, he's worthless, he's left everything behind. He has no, no control whatsoever over it. May I hasten to say here that covetousness is not confined to the wealthy. Mm. Any man, whether rich or poor, can be possessed by the spirit of covetousness. How is it manifested among the poor. Because we are seeing where Jesus talk about it uh, with this rich man. But how is it manifested among the poor? When a person sets his whole heart, his whole desire, his entire being and just having and will do whatever is necessary to just have. That's all they, they think about, they dream about, they Uh, They meditate on it all just to have, just to have, just to have. They are possessed with the spirit of covetousness. Am I talking to somebody today? There are people who profess to be Christians, but they cannot take the Lord's day off to come to church. They have to be out working because they have to have Am I I speaking to us? They They are believers who will not take the Lord's day off to go to the house of the Lord to give God thanks, to give God praise for what he has done for that individual because they have to be out working. Not that they have to, but they choose to. Then there is a big difference. Employed, and as a result of their survival, they have to go to work on the Lord's Day. Then they go to work praying that God will open a new door for them. Am I talking to somebody where they would be able to come to the Lord's house for worship? But I'm talking about those who have the choice, but because of the love of money. They wouldn't come to the Lord's house for worship. Mm. And they might even send their tithe. But may I say this to you? God doesn't want our money. God wants us. God wants you, not your money. Because when you have tasted the goodness of God, hallelujah, and you are immersed in the grace of God, the things of this world lose their value. Money does not mean anything again. You know, people have problem tithing. You need to immerse yourself in the grace of God. And when you have immersed yourself in God's grace, you will understand, as the songwriter said, the things of this world are going faintly dim. They lose their value because the grace of God that brings salvation to man has become so real to you, oh, Lord Jesus. They lose their value. God wants us, my brothers and sisters, God wants to be first by talking to us. God wants us to put him first. Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when we do, God adds other things to us. When we put God first, God put everything else in place. God puts everything else in order, oh Lord Jesus. When we put God first. So I'm saying to us today, that covetousness is not a sin that is just associated with the wealthy based on the parable that Jesus gives here, but it's something that affects even the poor alike. So the rich and the poor mm, all face the same, the same challenge. And it is up to us as individuals to practice self-denial. Am I talking to somebody? To deny ourselves, and to put God first, because if we are first, God is not first. No, no, there cannot be two first. If our self is first, then God is not first. We have to put God first above self. Mm. And when God is first, we would crown him as Lord, as master. We would be concerned with him, we would be absorbed In him doing his will there would be that perpetual recognition of him nothing apart from him but notice with this man in this parable in the end it wasn't the man who spoke it was God who spoke and God spoke last see a lot of things may have been said earlier God knew this man and what he was thinking, and this man was saying, you know, all of these things to himself as he saw his great harvest. But God spoke. God knew this man's thought. It was God and God alone who knew that the man would die that night. The man did not know it nor did anyone else. The man was to die that night. May I, may I remind all of us that every one of us have our night or our day and we don't know when that is. The Bible said that the man's soul was required. God required the man's soul God demanded the man's soul. His soul was not going to cease existence, it was going to transition to another world. God said, Tonight is your soul required of you. God was going to transition this man's soul from time to eternity. And he said, with all that you are saying, you are a fool because tonight your soul is required of you. There's nothing wrong with planning, brothers and sisters. We are to plan. But don't leave out God. Don't leave God out of your planning. It should always be if the Lord wills. If the Lord allows it. Then we know that it is going to happen. Good to plan. We should always have a plan. But not one that is centered on self. But one that is reliant on God. Because God knows the future. God holds the future. This man's soul was required. And God called him a fool. He had lived as a fool, lived entirely for himself. He refused to think about the truth, about the uncertainty of life. Mm. And so he didn't live as long as he wished. Because he had planned to live many years. Probably was in good health. Everything may have been going well. And so he planned to live for years. And now with what he considered. This windfall in his harvest. This was going to make that a great reality. And so he said I'm going to store up. And I'm going to have enough. For years. But God says. Tonight. Your soul is required. And then Jesus concluded that parable in the latter verse, verse 21, by saying, So is he that layeth up treasures for himself, and is not rich toward God. Oh, Lord Jesus. This man was not rich toward God. He had no inheritance in the kingdom of God. No riches laid up in heaven. His affections are all fixed on this world. And he has nothing to do with God. The Bible admonishes us as Christians to set our affection on things above not on things of this world so from this man we learn that wicked men are often prosperous their ground bring forth plentifully god give them their desire but send leanness to their souls riches bring with them Always an increasing load of care and anxiety. And if God is not in the midst, then it's going to take us over and take us over completely. So we have to include God, for it is he who gives us the wisdom. It is he who gives us the strength. It is he who gives us the understanding to understand on a daily basis that riches are temporal. Not only are they temporal, but they are temporary. But the Bible says they take wings and they fly. Amen. Riches take wings and fly. And so we we as God's people need to be careful that we keep our trust fully centered in the Lord. And not in what God has blessed us with, but in the Lord. Amen. Amen. That our confidence is in God and God alone. Because whatever we see in this world, whatever it is, it is transient and in no time at all it can disappear. But God remains true. God remains faithful. God remains permanent because he is God. Jesus says, In the conclusion of the parable, so it is with those who are rich in this world, but are poor toward God. I pray that God help us all as his children, that none of us would be poor toward God. Can I get an amen? Amen. That all of us, all of us, amen, as we live our lives from day to day, that we would be investing in the kingdom, in the things that we do, in the things that we uh, get ourselves involved in. Am I talking to us? And remember what God's prospectus is, that when we give to the poor, we are lending to the Lord, amen. And God is no man's debtor. God is going to pay, amen. God is going to repay because there is not one who has first given to God that had not received in return. There is no man, cannot find one. Let us be aware of the sin of covetousness that it can destroy. And as Jesus points out in this parable, it destroys this rich man, but it can also destroy the poor, the struggling man the struggling woman is fighting for survival. This sin of covetousness can also can also destroy. Because God desires to be first. And if he is not first, somebody else is or something else is. And if God is not first in our lives, then we don't have the guide and the direction that we need. So we need to surrender our lives to him and say, Lord, not as I will, but I want your will to be done in my life. May God help us all that this would be our desire as we go through life. That Father, not as I will, but your will is what I want to be done in my life. Hallelujah. In my life, let Your will be done, Father. We we praise You, we thank You, we honor You, we adore You. We thank You, O oh God, for this parable and the lesson that You have taught us. We pray that You would help us to be good learners. People who would grasp the truth, understand the truth lay hold on the truth of your word and apply to our lives we pray that you would help us all as your children that we would surrender our lives completely to you and say lord have your way have your way i pray if there is one listening to this message today who have not yet surrendered to you i pray oh father god that this would be the time when they would bow their hearts and invite Jesus Christ in as their personal Savior and their Lord. For your word says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we shall be saved. And I pray today, Father, that you would save somebody. Oh God. And I pray for us believers, because it's easy for us to allow things to slip in and to start dominating our lives and taking the place of God. I pray, Father, that you would help us. That we would always be mindful that God is to be first in everything that we do. So we pray now, Lord, that you would take care of us, take control of us. And I pray that you would deliver us all from the spirit of covetousness. That, Lord, it would not overtake us. In our pursuit for righteousness. Help us oh God we pray. That we would not be poor toward God. But we would be rich toward God. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. And amen. And amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, we just want to thank you for listening to today's sermon here at the Bavoni Baptist Church, where sharing Christ is every Christian's business. So, as we depart, go and serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.